Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We've been talking for uh, quite some time now, at least the last month, on what it means to claim Canaan. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn as a believer how to walk in the victory that has been purchased for me and promised to me because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know what it means um, to overcome what I face as far as temptation, um, trials, tribulation, whatever comes my way. Now, I want you to understand something. If you're here today and you've trusted in Jesus and been born again into God's family, the Bible teaches that you have victory in Christ. If you believe that, say amen. Now, you have victory over sin, and we're so thankful for that. You have victory over Satan. You have victory over any situation that you might face in your life. And you have victory over self. And I've told you before, I'm certainly going to keep telling you, I feel like most of the time, uh, the one who gives me the most problems is not someone else. It's, it's self. It's me. I'm thankful that we have victory over all these things in Jesus. As children of God, we have victory over whatever we face. But also as God's child, we have victory in spite of whatever we face, in spite of whatever happens in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We spent a whole lot of time talking about what we have in Jesus, the victory we have in Him. This morning, I kind of want to switch gears on this and talk about why we have the victory that we have. If you don't see the why, it's really going to be hard for you to understand the what. So let's look together in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 12. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Well, brothers, I thought you said we was going to preach through Joshua, and I am. I'm not certainly not done with Joshua. We're going to get back to that as soon as possible. But the Lord just really impressed upon my heart this scripture this week for several reasons. Number one, I'm going to preach from 2 Corinthians because that's what I believe God wants me to do. How many of you know, I believe with everything in me, God knows what I need better than I know what I need. And God knows what you need better than you know what you need. Collectively, God knows what we need better than we know what we need. And I put myself in that because how many of you know I need it just as much as you need it? I need God's truth. I need God's uh, plan for victory for my life just like you need His plan for victory in your life. So I want to be spirit-led in everything I do because I know He knows what we need. Need And I'm asking that you pray for your pastor that I will always be spirit-led and do what God wants me to do whenever he wants me to do it. Number two, this scripture blessed my heart in my own personal quiet time this week. And I'm hoping that as it was a blessing to me, it will be a blessing to you. And number three, I'm preaching from 2 Corinthians this morning because I want to give you some courage for the conflict. I can promise you this. If you live your, uh, your life in a way that pleases Jesus, if you follow Christ daily and fulfill the mission God has saved you to fulfill, you're going to encounter some conflict. You're going to encounter some opposition in your day-to-day -day walk, in your day-to-day -day life. But even in the midst of that, in spite of that, you can still have victory. And we see that truth right here explained for us in these few verses. The Apostle Paul says, starting in verse number 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. Everybody say, in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let me read that scripture to you again. We have this treasure. I mean, you, if you're a child of God, you've got a treasure. And the Bible says it's in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I love that verse. Man, how powerful that is. Verse 8. But we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Then he tells us in verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing for us what we cannot do. I'm so thankful this morning for love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. I'm thankful that, Lord, you have chosen to place yourself in these earthen vessels. And God, the excellency of the power, it's of you and not of us. Lord, teach us that. Show us that this morning. Show us who we are in you, what we have in you. Show us why we have the victory that you have promised. Lord, I can do nothing in and of myself, and I want to do nothing in and of myself. Lord, this morning, I just want to make myself available to you as your mouthpiece, as your vessel. Would you speak to me? Would you speak through me? Would you use me today, I pray, for your honor and your glory. Speak to me and speak through me. Straight to your people exactly what we all stand in need of. In Jesus' name we do pray, and for your sake, amen. Now there's three things that I want you to see here uh, about courage in the midst of conflict. Three things that the Apostle Paul outlines for us that will be a great blessing to all of us as believers if we can get a hold of it. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is all about Paul testifying to the conflict he's been through because he's a follower of Jesus, because he's fulfilling the mission that God has saved him to fulfill. And that's not, not the only chapter in 2 Corinthians that does this. Matter of fact, the whole book is really about Paul's testimony as to his trials and temptations and hardships and persecutions that he faced as he served the Lord. You find it here in chapter 4, but you'll find it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. In chapters 11 and 12, Paul tells us all the things that have happened to him, these great areas of conflict that he had in his life. So if anybody knew what it meant to have courage in the midst of conflict, it was the Apostle Paul. And he outlines for the believer right here how and why we can have courage in the midst of whatever we might face in our lives as children of God. First of all, he tells us it's because of Christ in us that we can have courage in the midst of our conflict. Look at verses 6 and verse number 7. He says in verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, darkness has shined in our hearts. Some ought to say amen right there. How I mean, you know we live in a dark world? Would you agree with that? You don't have to look far to see that we live in a dark world. Man, turn on your television and watch your newscast. Read your morning paper tomorrow morning, and I promise you, you're going to see that we live in a dark world. Just walk outside your house tomorrow uh, and go to your workplace or to your school or wherever you go. And as you get out in the world, you're going to see we live in a very spiritually dark place. The Bible says God commanded His light to shine in the darkness. For us to truly understand what it means that Christ is in us and what it means that He has shined His light 
uh, to us here in verse number 6. We've got to understand what the light is. So what is the light or who is the light is probably the, the better question. John chapter 8 and verse number 12. Jesus makes the statement, I am the light of the world. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Yeah, praise the Lord. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Wow, what a powerful verse. So Jesus has been sent by God the Father as the light into this world. It's amazing. John chapter 1, I'm reading right now devotionally through the book of John, me and another brother in Christ. Man, I'm enjoying the book of John all over again. I promise you, you can't wear the Word of God out. And, and the, the book of John is probably my favorite gospel. And so I've been reading through that, and I found in John chapter 1, in the third verse, such a powerful verse of Scripture, it says, speaking of Jesus, in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the life, and it's because of the life of Christ, now those who trust in him can walk in the light in this dark world. That's what he's talking about. Jesus is the light. And so what Paul is saying right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 6, that Jesus being the light, everybody who placed their trust in him, God has shined his light into us as believers. His life, is put in us through the person of the Holy Spirit and now because His life is in us, His light shines through us. Is this making sense to you? That's what John 1.3 is all about. In Him was life and that light was the light or that life was the light of men. Amazing. You need to get a hold of that. You're never going to have courage in the midst of your conflict. You're never going to walk in victory if you don't get a hold of the fact that God lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of cool things that happen, amazing things that happen. At the moment you trusted in Jesus and became born again into his family. A lot of great things happen. Well, first of all, the Bible says that our sins were forgiven. How many of y'all thankful for that? I am so thankful this morning that Jesus is still forgiving sin. I'm thankful that I no longer have to answer for those sins I committed before I trusted in Christ. How many know that's all been put under the blood? I'm thankful that the Bible says He's put my sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm thankful that God does not hold that against me. Now that's been washed clean by the blood of Jesus when I place my faith in Him. Wow, I'm glad of it. He forgives sin and we're so thankful for that. But let me tell you something else that happens when you get saved. The Bible says your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> there was a time when the disciples came to Jesus and they were all excited because the demonic spirits knew who they were because they had trusted in the Lord. And they had the, Jesus had given them the power over demonic spirits. They were going out casting out these demons. And they were all excited that the demons were subject unto them, the Bible says. And Jesus kind of spoke up to all of them. And he said, you don't need to be so excited that the demons know your name. What you really need to be fired up about and excited about is that your name is written down in heaven. Now, I want to give you some truth right now that is going to bless your heart. If you have trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, if you've believed on Him for the forgiveness of your sin, the Bible says now God has written your name down in His book. 
It's done. If you trusted in Jesus, you've been born again, it's finished. Your name is written down in heaven. That ought to bless your heart. I'm glad to know this morning that if I don't make it out of here alive today, if I drop dead in the next five seconds, five minutes, or 50 years, I'm thankful I have peace in dying because I know my name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. A man is never truly ready to live until he's ready to die. Now, I'm not morbid. I want to live as long as I can live. I want to see my kids grow up, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-grandkids. Hope I live to be 105 at least. Get about 60, 70 years with my wife. I can't wait to see what God's going to do at Mount Zion Baptist Church. Can't wait to see what God's going to do in and through us. And so I'm excited about what the future holds and I'm thankful that I get to be a part of it. I won't be here as long as I can, but if my time comes in the next five minutes, I know where I'm going. My name's been written down in heaven. Praise God. So your sins are forgiven. Your name's written down in the last book of life. Let me tell you what else happens. You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. You say, brother, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says it. Take it in your margin there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you're taking notes or you write in your Bible, write this down. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Paul there is talking to the believers, the church in Corinth. And he says, know you not that ye are the temple of God. And God dwells in you. <laughs> That's the same thing he's saying in the second letter in chapter 4 and verse 6, that he has shined himself, his light, his life into our light, life that, that has become our life, our light to a lost and dying world. Are you getting this? So God now dwells in those who've trusted in Jesus in the person of God the Holy Spirit. He is in you. He further explains it down there in verse number 7. Watch what it says. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This treasure in earthen vessels. Now, I want to share something with you. The Bible describes you and I in not very flattering terms. I'm going to be honest. The Bible calls us sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, you know that it's not a very flattering thing to be called a sheep. Sheeps are dumb. Sheep, they don't know um, uh, really what they need to do when they need to do it. They have to have the leadership of another, leadership of the shepherd. It's not a very flattering thing to be called a sheep. And it's certainly not a very flattering thing to be called an earthen vessel. See, what Paul is making clear to us is that we are just a bunch of clay pots. That's what he's saying. That's all we are. The, the Bible says it's from dust that we came and it's to dust that we'll go back to one day. Shakespeare said it like this. He said that man struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is no more. <laughs> That's pretty good. We're here just a little while and then we're gone. There's, there's really not much that we can say about uh, how, how we are, how much uh, we are needed. Because the, the truth is, God does not need us. God can do whatever He wants without us. We're just a bunch of clay pots. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3, now put this on the screen for me, brothers. I love this verse. 
We, we all know Romans 12, 1 and 2, and man, that's powerful. I love those verses. But take note of, of Romans 12 and 3. Watch this. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. L let me see if I can paraphrase that in a way that uh, my mom and daddy used to tell me. He's, mama, mom and daddy used to tell me, don't get too big for your britches. Now let me tell you what I fear a lot of times. <laughs> a lot of times, those in church get too big for their britches. And we somehow think it's about us and not about God. It's about what we want instead of what He wants. That's why a lot of people get mad at stuff that happened in the church. Amen? See, a lot of people will get mad at the songs we sing because they don't like the song. Well, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about whether you like it or not. Does God like it? Does it honor Him? Does it glorify Him? A lot of people get mad because they don't like the sermons that's preached. It's not about you. Does God like it? Is He pleased with it? It's going to be about Him and not about us. Let me tell you why. Because we're just a bunch of clay pots. Anything good that happens inside the body of Christ, it happens not because of the vessel, but because of the treasure. Not because of the clay pot, but what's in it. It's got to be all about Jesus. That the excellency and power may be of God and not of us. That's what Paul is saying. So don't get too big for your britches. Don't think you're more than you are. You're more important than you actually are. You're, listen, it's not about you. It's not about me. Praise God. It's got to be about Him. The Bible says if we lift Him up, He will draw all men into Himself. Into Himself. And I, I, I'm claiming that. I'm trusting in that. That's why I want to preach about Jesus. I want to teach about Jesus. I want to pray about Jesus. I want to sing about Jesus. I want to make it all about Jesus in every service, in every plan, in every program, and everything we do, let's lift up Jesus. It's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you need to understand three things about this earthen vessel Number one, like we've said, that it's not about the vessel, it's about the treasure. It's not that the, vessel, the vessel is so important, but the treasure is of extreme importance. Number two, the important thing about a vessel is that first of all, it's empty. Let me tell you why God can't fill us up like He wants to fill us up. There's one thing that God, God can't even do. He can't fill something up that's already full. And when we are full of ourselves and we're full of the things of the world and we're full of everything else except what God wants and, and what God is pleased with, it's very hard for Him to fill us up if we're already full of all these other things. For God to really use a vessel, it needs to be a vessel that's empty. Let me tell you something else. It needs to be a vessel that's clean. God cannot and will not use a dirty vessel. That's why the process of sanctification is so important in your life. To be sanctified is to be cleaned up and set apart for the purpose of God. That happens initially at salvation, but it's a process that happens continually throughout your life as a believer. 
As I get a hold of truth and I see what God wants and I then apply that to my life and see where I'm lacking in that. For instance, if I see that God says I'm to love my neighbor as I love myself, then I apply that to my life and I see I'm not doing it. Then God begins to change me to be what he wants me to be as I relinquish my will to his. And when I see where the Bible says that I am to love uh, the, the, the brethren as Christ loves me, and I start applying that, and I ask myself, am I really loving the brethren like God has called me to love the brethren? And I see that I'm not, then that helps to change me to be what God wants as I apply that to my life. You see how this works? This is the process of sanctification. God cleaning us up and setting us apart for His purpose. That is a continual process throughout my life. I want to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. More like Jesus next week than I was last week. I don't want to stay stagnant. I don't want to go backwards. I want to keep moving forward, becoming more and more and more like Christ as He cleans me up and sets me apart. A vessel got to be empty so God can fill it, but a vessel has got to be, listen to me, clean before God can use it. Let me give you something else. The vessel has to be available before it can be used to the Lord. Anybody got a favorite coffee cup? Me too. I'm a coffee drinker. I'm going to be honest, I've got a problem with coffee. <laughs> but if loving coffee is wrong, I don't want to be right. I love a good cup of coffee. Dear brother in Christ gave me a, a cup here the other day. and I love that cup because one thing it's big, another thing it fits perfectly in my cup holder in the car. I, I've actually not bought a car because my cup didn't fit right in the cup holder. I know you've been there too, ain't you, brother? I've seen, I seen that spoke to your heart, didn't it? But this cup fits perfectly down in my cup holder, man, and I use it all the time. My, my, my daughter um, hit a deer a few weeks back, and her car's getting worked on, and so she's been driving my wife's car, and, and that cup was in my wife's car. And so I had left it in there, and, and she had been driving it, and then I, I lost that cup for a while, couldn't find it. And I looked everywhere for it. And what had happened, she had actually put that uh, cup in the, in the trunk of the car. She was cleaning out some things in the front there, and, and so uh, she could use it like she needed to use it, and she put that, and I didn't know it, and, and she didn't realize it, and so I finally found that thing. Now, let me tell you what I figured out. I love the cup. I want to use the cup, but if the cup is not around, I can't use it. It's not available. God loves you. God wants to use you. But if you are not available, you can't be used. He wants to fill you, but if you are not available, you can't be filled. So you've got to make yourself available to God. You've heard it said, and I have too, it's not your ability when it comes to serving the Lord, it's your availability. If you are available, God will use you up. Test Him and see if that's not true. 
Believe me when I say, when you get your heart right and you get to the place where you want to be used, God will use you up for His honor and glory. God will do things in your life that absolutely blow your mind. God will work on you, work in you, and work through you to accomplish His good will and purpose. God will do something in you that not only has value right now in the temporal, but has eternal value. That's what fires me up about serving Jesus. What we do for the kingdom of God will echo throughout eternity. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm all about making money. I'm glad we live in America. We live in the land of opportunity. You make all the money you want to make. Praise God for that. That's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. I'm all about making money, but guess what? In a hundred years, it ain't going to matter how much money I make. Is it? It ain't going to matter how much money you make. I'm all about having nice stuff. Praise God. If you work hard in this country, you can have anything you want. Go work for it. Go get it. Work as you're working under the Lord. And I believe God wants to bless you and will bless you. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having stuff. I've said before, I'll say it again. Nothing wrong with you having stuff. Something wrong when your stuff has you. But go work for it. Get what you want. Enjoy life. But in a, in a hundred years, it ain't going to matter how much stuff I had. There's an old t-shirt that I remember years ago that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. In a hundred years, it ain't going to matter how much stuff you had. It ain't going to matter what kind of house you lived in, what kind of car you drove, what kind of money you made. None of that's going to matter. But what will echo throughout eternity is what you do for the kingdom. That's what's really going to make all the difference. Not the temporal, but the eternal. And so make yourself available to God. Allow Him to do in you, with you, and through you what He wants to do. And, and, and listen, this is not something that's grievous. It's glorious. I promise you, you're not losing anything by making yourself available to the Lord. You're gaining so much more. He knows you better than you know you. He knows what really makes you happy. He's leading, guiding, and directing His people to give them the things that not only are pleasing to Him, but are a blessing to us. Get a hold of that. Make yourself available. So, number one, we don't focus on the vessel, we focus on the treasure. It's not about who we are, but who He is. Let us not focus on what we can do or what we can't do. But let us focus on what He will do through us if we'll relinquish our will to His. Truth is, I can't be the husband I need to be. I can't be the father I need to be. I can't be the pastor I need to be. I can't do any of that in my own power. But because, listen to me, Jesus lives in me. And because... He is willing to work on me and through me. I can be all these things, not by my power, but by His. Not because of my ability, but because of my availability. I can be what God wants and you can too. So it's not about the vessel, it's about the treasure. Don't focus on the vessel, focus on the treasure. The important thing for a vessel is that it's got to be empty, it's got to be clean, and it's got to be available. Number three, let me give you this real quick. God made us as we are so that we, He can use us like He wants to use us. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
you're no accident. God can and will take you just like you are. Put you in the right circles of people to use you like He wants to use you. And He does that by His sovereign will and plan. How does He do it? You got me. I don't know. I'm not God. But I know it's real and I know it's true because I've seen Him do it in my life. He can take me just like I am. He can take you just like you are with all your imperfections, with all your hang-ups, with all your insecurities, just like you are, God can and will use you. You're important. You've got a purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every time you stand in the mirror and you don't like what you see, let me tell you what I want you to quote in your mind, what I want you to remember. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every time you feel like you don't measure up, I want you to quote that. First, uh, Psalm 139, listen where it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Young ladies, every time you look at that magazine and your picture don't look like their picture, remember, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. God made you to be you and the best you can be is you full of Jesus. He made you like He made you to use you like He wants to use you. God in us. That's the first point in these verses of Scripture. But not only do we see that, we also see God for us. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Down at verse number 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. He gives us four statements here. And these statements are comparative, all right? The, the theologian is going to tell you that there's a superlative here that comes after that which is comparative. Now, let me tell you what they mean by that. He gives us two words. Look, look what it says in verse number 8. We're troubled, but we're not distressed. Troubled is that which distressed is compared to. It's the comparative. Distressed is the superlative. Now, what's that saying is, I may be troubled, but I'm not distressed. Let me paraphrase it like this. We, as children of God, may be down but we're not out. <laughs> the truth is, you're going to go through some down times. You'll go through some down times in your marriage. You'll go through some down times in your parenting. You'll go through some down times in your church. You'll go through some down times in your ministry. You'll go through some down times physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're going to go through some down times. But because of Christ in you, and because Christ is for you, you may be down, but you're not out. You may be Troubled, but you're not distressed. Let's go on. Watch what else. He says we are perplexed, but not in despair. Let me tell you what despair means. Again, that's the superlative. It's, he's comparing uh, despair to perplexed. Despair means you have no hope. Perplexed means you don't know what to do. Anybody ever been perplexed? I know none of y'all ever get to the place where you don't know what to do, but I get there from time to time. In all areas of my life, in my home, in my church, in my work, in everything. What am I going to do? How am I, how's this going to work? How's this going to get fixed? I don't know. I, I'm perplexed. 
And so what the Bible is saying, you, you may get to the place where you don't know what to do, but you'll never, as a child of God, be in a place where you have no hope. Amen. Because there's always hope with those who are in Jesus. Why? Because He's bigger than any situation you're going to face. He's the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God of the universe that you call your heavenly Father. And He promises to answer your prayer. So how can you ever be in a place in your life when you are without hope? When you see the person of God, you realize... Listen, as a child of God, you'll never be without hope. Isn't that good? No matter what you're going through, He's big enough. And He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. When you see the person of God, you realize the child of God will never be without hope. But when you see the promise of God, you realize you don't have to despair. What's God promised? Praise God, I'm going to heaven. I may not know what I'm going to do next week, but I'm still going to heaven. <laughs> I may get a bad report at the doctor's office, but, and I don't know what to do, but I'm still going to heaven. Hey, I may have a great service on, at, on Sunday, and I may not have so much. I may just get up and make a complete fool of myself preaching, but guess what? I'm still going to heaven. I may fail in my marriage. I may fail with my kids. I may fail in every area of my life, but praise God, I'm still going to heaven. See, we have something to look, look forward to. Amen? When you know God's person and you know God's promise, you might get perplexed and not know what to do, but there'll never be a time we don't have any hope. You've got hope. Let's go to the next one. Watch this. Watch this. Watch what else he says. Um, he says, you may be persecuted, but you won't be forsaken. To be persecuted is what someone else can do for you because of your stand for Jesus. He said, others, others might persecute you. Others may keep you out of the loop because of your stand for Christ. Others may not invite you to the company picnic because of your stand for Christ. Others may not let you have this or have that because of your stand for Christ. Because guess what? When you walk with Jesus and you, listen to me now, you follow in Him and you stand for Jesus, you become a conviction to people who are not doing so. You're, you're, you're shining a light in a dark place. And the darkness hates the light, so guess what? You may not get invited to the company picnic. You may not be able to run in some circles because you're standing for Christ. You may go through some persecution. People may talk about you and laugh at you and, and do all those things, and that will happen if you stand for the Lord. But guess what? You may be persecuted from people, but you'll never be forsaken by God. Now, this is the good news. God's really what matters. Now, God loves people, and we ought to love people. But I don't live to please people, I live to please Him. And I live to please Him because He died for me. You may be persecuted, but you'll never be forsaken. Amen. That's why the Bible says, 
Hebrews 13, 5, I claim it. The Bible tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That came from Joshua 1. The writer of the book of Hebrews is actually quoting uh, Joshua in the first chapter. We read about that as we were studying two or three weeks ago. You may be persecuted, but you'll not be forsaken. Let's go on. i got to hurry. Watch what else it says. You may be cast down, but not destroyed. Again, you're down, but as a child of God, you're never out. Why? Because Christ is for you. Christ is for you. Listen to me, husbands. Christ is for you. If you're a child of God, Christ is for you. Wives, let me tell you something. Christ is for you. Mamas, Christ is for you. Daddies, Christ is for you. Employees, Christ is for you. Bosses, Christ is for you. Listen, church member, Christ is for you. Whatever you're going through, anywhere, at any time, you may be times when you get down, but you ain't going to be out. There may be times when you're perplexed, but you'll never be in despair. You have hope in Jesus. Why? Because he's for you. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's a God of all creation, and he's for you. I love that. Christ in us, Christ for us. Let me give you something else. And he says in verse 10, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Everybody say manifest. To be manifest means to be brought into the light. All right? So what it's saying is that the life of Christ will show through us. As we live out our faith day by day. As we walk by faith day by day. So you've got Christ in you. You've got Christ for you. And then in verse 10, you've got Christ through you. This is a perfect representation of what happened in Judges chapter 7 with a man called Gideon. Anybody ever heard of Gideon? Gideon's one of my heroes. Gideon was called by God to be a judge in the nation of Israel. And he was called by God in Judges chapter 7 to fight against the Midianites. They were coming against God's people with an innumerable number, the Bible says. I mean, a whole lot of soldiers were coming. And God said, uh, go down and pick you out uh, the army I'm going to show you. And God didn't let him keep thousands of men. God let Gideon keep 300 men. It's an amazing story. Go back and read it for yourself. And these men, under the command of Gideon the judge, who was called by God, were told to take three things into the battle with the Midianites. A trumpet, a torch, and an earthen vessel. It's amazing. It's a great story. If you're looking for something good for your quiet time this week, check out Judges chapter 7 and read about old Gideon fighting the Midianites. Now let me tell you what they were supposed to do. These 300 soldiers were to take, listen to me now, don't, get, don't miss this. They were to take their source of light, that torch, and put it in the earthen vessel and walk out to the battle against the Midianites. And God used this in such a powerful way because, listen, he, he, he kept the, 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 the light source, the, the light in the vessel until they got out to where they needed to be so God could use them. And then they were commanded to break the vessel so that the light would shine forth and the Midianites might see the light coming from the earthen vessel. If you're getting this, say, I got it. 
Listen to me now. The light could not be seen if the vessel wasn't broken. But God used this light in the earthen vessel to cause 300 men to triumph over an innumerable force of the Midianite army. How? By his power. Now, why does this, what does this mean for us? See, a lot of you are sitting here this morning and you don't think God can use you because of um, who you are, what you've done, mistakes you've made, and, and you believe the lie of the enemy when he told you, God don't want you or God can't use you. Truth is, you're broken vessels. The truth is, we're all just a bunch of earthen vessels. We're all a bunch of clay pots, but we're cracked pots. You're a cracked pot, and I'm a cracked pot. We're all broken vessels. We've all got hang-ups and insecurities and faults, failures. We've all got a past. But now this is the cool thing. If the vessel's not broken, the light can't get out. And if the light can't get out, the battle can't be won. Victory can't happen. So what am I telling you? God uses broken vessels like me and broken vessels like you to show forth his power that the excellency might be by the power of God and not of us. Amen? God can take your mess and make it a message. God can take your problem and use it to preach. God can take you right where you are and use your experience from your own life to speak into the lives of others just like you. Christ through us. Why do we have victory? For the believer, Christ is in you. Christ is for you. Christ wants to work through you. Even as broken vessels. Isn't that amazing? Everybody stand together. Hudson Taylor. Anybody ever heard of Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor was a missionary to uh, China. Actually, the first one credited with bringing the gospel to China. God used him in a fantastic way. He said something that I love. He said, those whom we consider to be giants in the faith were just weak men who believed God was with them. Boy, that's good. That's fantastic. Do you know that God is still with weak men? 
And God still uses weak men and women just like you and me. And He uses us by His power to accomplish His purpose. Whatever that might be. However that looks for you. That blows me away. I'm so thankful for that. If you're here today and Christ isn't in you, you know you've never been born again and that Christ lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, today's the day. Won't you come and trust in Jesus as your Savior? I promise you, you won't regret it. You say, Brother, I think I may have been saved. I don't know that I've been saved. Well, let me tell you something. I don't want to think so salvation. I want to know so salvation. Today, by the authority of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can leave here knowing Knowing that you've been born again. If you need to be saved, you come. Now, if you are saved, do you know Christ is for you? Oh, listen. Don't you let Satan lie to you. Don't you believe the lie of the enemy or even trust in your own feelings. Christ is for you if you're a believer. But let me ask you something. Is Christ working through you? Are you relinquishing your will to His? Or are you allowing Him to shine forth His light from you into a lost and dying world, into a dark place? Because that's our mission. That's our mission. That's our goal. And I'm not, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm going to tell you just how I believe it to be according to the truth of the Word of God. If you live in that way, where you're allowing Christ to shine through you, there's going to be some conflict, but I'm thankful. Paul says, you know what? As a believer, you can have courage in the midst of that conflict and make a difference for that which is eternal. And that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. If you need the Lord in any way, you come today. If you need to be saved, just come say, brothers, I need to be saved. And Again, I can't save you. Being in this church don't save you. Walking an aisle don't save you. But the same one who has saved me can and will save you. If you need him today, you come. As a child of God, if you just need to come get some things right with the Lord, whatever's going on in your life, you're having some trouble and you realize through this truth this morning that God's for you, maybe you just want to come praise him, thank him, talk to him about what's going on in your life. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. A great place to ask is in a good old-fashioned altar. You can do business with God right here. Maybe you need to relinquish your will to His as a believer and say, God, I want you to work through me. You have your way. You have your will. It's no longer about what I want, what you want. Whatever you need today, this invitation is yours. You come.
Thank you, brother. I got some fantastic news this morning. Jonathan has come today and trusted in Jesus as his personal Savior. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. Me and this brother right here have been in a lot of places at Wooden Church. But it is so awesome, so fantastic to be in church and have him a part of the body of Christ as a new believer. The Bible says that in heaven, there is a rejoicing that takes place over one sinner that repents. What's true in heaven should be true among his people. Let's rejoice with him. Let's pray for him. Let's be there to encourage him. He's your new brother in Christ. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Praise God. I love you, buddy. Sure do. Man, you want to say anything? You got anything on your heart? I just I really appreciate it. Amen. Everything. Amen. That's awesome. All right, brother, you can be seated. Cole Reed, come on up here, buddy. This brother right here came in my office two weeks ago on Wednesday night. Let, let me tell you what I love to see. I keep telling you this. When you start seeing God do what only God can do, that excites me. That fires me up. And when you see God break a person's will, I just seen it this morning with that brother right there. God brought him to himself by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. I saw it two weeks ago with this brother right here in my office after a Wednesday night Bible study. He came and God the Holy Spirit had broken him. And God brought him unto himself, and he got saved in my office two weeks ago on Wednesday night. Isn't that amazing? Brother, you got anything you want to say? He wanted to come today and make that public. You know, if there was anybody in this church that I thought was right with God, I would have said this young man is. Fantastic guy. But let me tell you something. Listen to me very plainly. I don't care how good you are. Goodness ain't enough. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about him doing that supernatural work in your life. Brother, do you got peace now? Man, that's one thing he said to me. It just blessed my heart. He said, you know, I, 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 I um, made a profession of faith years ago, but I've never really had any peace in that. And he said, for the last three months, it's just the Lord has just been showing me how much I need him. He said, I want some peace. Peace comes from knowing the Prince of Peace. That happens. When God the Holy Spirit does the work that only He can do. Let me tell you something I believe. I believe right now we are entering into a season of victory in our church. I believe that with everything in me. We've had uh, one, two, three people saved in the last three weeks. One rededication, one family joined. There's just been such a sweet spirit in this place. I cannot wait to see what God's going to continue to do. Let's start praying, church. God would have his way and God would have his will to do just what he wants to do. Amen? You got anything you want to say, young man? I'd love to share my testimony with anybody because it's, it's not what I've done, but it's truly amazing.